Today, I'm going to hop right into the message this morning. And uh, if you weren't here last week, because I'm pretty sure everybody and their mom was on vacation last week. Uh, but uh, last week, I uh, kind of beat you guys over the head about sin all Sunday. So I'm uh, today, what we're going to talk about is joy, okay? So we gave you sin last week. We're going to talk about joy this week, okay? All right, just brighten everybody's faces up a little bit. And uh, I want to be completely honest before we get into the message and completely humble before you all. But I was like, I'm excited. I talked about sin last week. We were talking about joy this week. This is, this is exciting. It's awesome. I'm so excited. And I sat down at my computer and I was like, joy, this is easy. Joy, it's fantastic. Joy, everybody loves joy. I love joy. I feel like I'm a joyful person. I love joy. This is fantastic. I'm going to talk all about joy. And I sat down at my computer and I type out joy is And I'm like, happiness? And I'm like, no, I doesn't quite get it. I'm like, I mean, it is happiness, but it's not quite happiness, right? You're like, like try and define joy for a second, right? Like, it's like a million different things right now. If I asked every single one of you guys in the room right now, like, we all might come up with a different thing. But, I mean, think about it. I was, as I was sitting there, I was like, you know, I don't really think about joy, that much besides Christmas time, you know, joy to the world, right? We, we talk about joy. Maybe some of you guys have like a wreath that has joy written on it that you hang on your front door. Anybody guilty, right? Anybody? We, that's what we talk about. Joy. I don't really, me personally, I don't think about joy very much. And what I kind of, as I was sitting there trying to think of like, what, what, is, what is joy even like? I was like, you know what? Joy is kind of like the internet. Because we all know that it exists, but we don't really know how to describe it, right? Like, try and describe the internet. You're like, it's, a, it's on my phone, but it's, not, but it's not really on my phone, right? Like, when I hit Facebook on my phone, it's not on my... I think it's on Mark Zuckerberg's phone, and then my phone talks to his phone, but I know it's real, but I don't know what it is. That's how I feel about joy. I'm like, I know joy exists... But I don't exactly know how to encapsulate it. I didn't know exactly how to describe it. And so I'm just coming before you today saying, I did a lot of studying and trying to figure out exactly what joy was all about. Because I knew I needed to talk about joy today. I knew, I just felt from the Lord that today was supposed to be about joy. And I didn't want to come up here and just come to you guys and be like, joy is good. So have it. Let's pray. Okay. <laughs> So what I want to look at today is this, okay? The dictionary, so I'm, all good pastors go to the dictionary first, okay? So the dictionary defines joy as this. Where are we at? Do we have this, the description, the definition? It's a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. It's close, but it just doesn't quite scratch the itch. I don't know about you, but that, that, that's not joy. I mean, it is, but it's not. Is anybody in agreement with me or am I just kind of like chasing my tail, right? It is, because I feel like the internet, right? It is, like, it's a feeling, but sometimes you don't feel it, you know? I know I have joy even when I don't feel it, but it is a feeling, and it's pleasure, but, you know, it, it, pleasure, it's, 
is so not what joy is. There's pleasures that aren't joy, and it's a feeling of happiness, but sometimes you don't feel happy, and sometimes you can have joy when there's just no happiness around you, but you have joy in the middle of those circumstances, and that's what joy is. It's, it is that, but it's not that. There's so much more to joy, and that's what I want to talk about today, is I want to talk about a joy like no other. A joy like no other. I want to talk about three things specifically. The need for joy, the nature of joy, and the source of joy. So let's just hop right in because I feel like I might be confusing you, okay? So the first one is this, the need for joy. As I was looking up, I wanted to see what other people thought about joy. If anybody else had the same problem I was having of how to define joy, I wanted to see what other people thought about joy, of people here in America, of other faiths even, how they describe joy. Like, what, what do we, what, how do we even describe what joy is? And as I was looking through all these different quotes of what people would say about joy, I found so many, so many, so many that I didn't quite really include here. But I would find that an artist would have this airy, pleasant quote that was like, joy is a good painting that you finished. And then I would find like, you know, a musician that would be like, joy is your favorite song. I'm like, again, those, you maybe get joy, but that's not quite, it was so personal. But here's one thing, and here's a lot of quotes that I want us to look at today, is I found a common theme running through. Whenever there would be a little bit more depth to the quote about joy, here's a common theme that I found running throughout it. Different faiths, people who believed in Jesus, people who were agnostic, people who maybe didn't care. They all had this common theme. Whenever I just saw a little bit more depth to what they were saying about joy, let's look at what some of these quotes are. Joseph Campbell, a famous author said, find a place inside where there's joy and the joy will burn out the pain. It's interesting. The next quote, classic rockers in here, Carlos Santana says, if you carry joy in your heart, you can heal any moment. Uh, Ed Sullivan says, a dose of joy is a spiritual cure. It transcends all barriers. What kind of sense in a common theme here a little bit? Helen Keller said, resolve to keep happy and your joy and you shall form an invincible host against difficulties. And Ed Asner, the famous actor, says, raising kids is part joy and part guerrilla warfare. (laughs) That's going to be the loudest amen today, right? There he goes. Amen to that. But... (laughs) But there's a common theme kind of running throughout all those. And I don't know if you noticed it, but the common theme was life is hard. Life is hard and we need joy. There's a common theme, whether you believe in Jesus or not, everybody who's walked on the face of the earth is like, man, I didn't realize life was going to be this hard. But thank the Lord for joy, right? Thank goodness for joy, because when you come up against difficulties, you, you better have joy. When you come up against life's, life's trials and tribulations and all that, you better have joy. We need joy to get through the day. We need joy to get through the month. We need joy to get through this life. We all need joy. Do y'all believe in that? We need joy. And I would say this, if you look at the world today and you look at 
uh, stats about depression or anxiety or anything like that. Everything regarding mental health and depression and anxiety, all that, everything for the past few decades has just been steadily climbing upward and upward and upward. I was looking at the most current stats that I could. It says over 22% of adults report symptoms of depression, and that's only the people who report it. Depression is the number one cause of disability in the U.S. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in ages 15 to 44. Stats say that in the time that this message takes place, the stats would say that it's about, in that time, about three people in the United States will have committed suicide from the time that I started talking to the time that I ended. And all of those stats are at the highest that they've been in a decade or so. And the decade of that was, you know, higher than the decade before it and the decade before it. Everything is on an upward trajectory. And I would submit to all of us today that we are in a crisis of joy. We're in a crisis of joy. And, you know, there's so many times, I'm, I'm, I'm a youth pastor, so I talk with parents all the time, and so many parents, and, it, and it's true, they say, you know, the kids today are facing things that kids before never had to face. And that's so true, that's so true, that's so true. But I'm, I, I would submit to you that life has been hard for a long time. <laughs> life has been hard for a long time, and I'm not sure if it's the circumstances that are making all these things go up, or just the fact that we don't have joy to get us through it. There's a need for joy. There's a crisis of joy. And look at all the quotes that we said. Look, Santana said that joy can heal any moment. Joseph Campbell said, if you find the joy on the inside, it'll it'll burn out the pain. But I would look at those stats and I would say that people are obviously having some trouble burning out the pain. Having some problems, some trouble healing those moments. Exactly like they were saying, we're having a crisis of joy. It's not that there's more moments of pain and trouble. It's the fact that we don't have as much joy to be able to get through it. And so how would we get, how do we get here? If everything is going up, if you would say that people maybe had joy and maybe now they don't have joy, how did we get here? How did we get here? And I'm not claiming to have all the answers here, but I would submit to you that people's beliefs in their mind and in their heart over the past few decades have changed drastically. At least from what was at least the dominant belief of most people here in the country a few decades ago. It's everything has changed. The amount of people who say that they don't believe in God whatsoever. Again, the same thing. It's the highest it's been in decades. It's the highest it's been the decade before that and the decade before that. The dominant worldview in America today is not Christianity. It's not uh, religion at all. It's the dominant worldview, I would say, today is something called secular materialism, which says that, there, one, there is no God, and two, the only thing that exists is the material world, the things that you can see and feel and touch, and that's all that there is. That's all that there is. There's nothing supernatural. There is no God. There is... There, it, look, every, only the things you can see and feel and touch are the things that are real. But can you see and feel and touch joy? Can you see and feel and touch love? The things that make life so amazing, the things that make it, make you be able to get through those hard times, 
the secular materialists would say it's, it's, it's an illusion. It's just a chemical reaction in your brain that your ancestors developed to get you know, away from a bear. You know, like that's, that's what it is. That's all it is. And we'd see that we're in a crisis of joy. Let me put it this way. The secular belief system, and again, I'm not, I'm not ragging on anybody. I'm just saying the dominant worldview right now, the secular materialist worldview, and I'm going to try and present it as accurately and faithfully as I can, says that there is no God. The universe began on its own with no creator, no beginning as an accident, as a random happenstance. And we happen to be on one of those rocks that's floating through the solar system, floating through the galaxy, floating through the universe at, you know, millions of miles an hour and all that. And we just happen to be floating, you know, walking collections of molecules and tissues and any feeling of purpose that you have is just an illusion because there is no God. You weren't created. You just happened to come by because your parents and, you know, that's it. It's just, you know, genetic material and you're a collection of molecules and tissue and all that. And if you feel purpose, it's not real because there's no such thing as purpose. There's only the atoms and molecules in you. And when you die, anything that you have built up or left behind, you know, one day the sun will go supernova and the entire universe will explode and nothing you will have done will have meant anything. So be happy. And I don't, and I, and I don't, I really don't mean that to, to joke and rag on anybody, but I'm just saying that the dominant worldview in America today does not equip you for joy. It doesn't give you the equipment to actually have joy. It doesn't give you the ability to really, truly experience joy. One of my favorite pastors says that for the secular materialist, if you want joy, if you want to experience joy in this world, at some point... You actually just have to turn your brain off. And you have to, all the things that I mentioned about how the universe, at some point everything's going to explode and nothing you will have done will have mattered. You just kind of don't think about that. If I want joy in this moment, if I want to, you know, love on my kid right now and have a good time, don't, don't think about the fact that we'll just all have burnt up with the sun one day. Just don't think about that. Don't think about that. Don't think about that. I hope... For the secular materialist, you have to hold a belief, but you can't follow that belief to the inevitable conclusion. Because if you do, you'll be filled with despair. You won't be filled with joy. If you follow your beliefs to their conclusion, you won't be filled with joy. You'll be filled with despair. And I would say, I would agree with so many of the people quotes that we read earlier that joy is so necessary to get through life. Joy is so necessary that a worldview and a belief system that doesn't explain joy, that doesn't tell you how to get joy, and I would say outright denies that that joy even is real. It would say that it's really just an illusion or a chemical imbalance or whatever. I would say that maybe that belief system wouldn't be the best way for you to go because I don't want you to end up like so many of the statistics that I was reading earlier. And again, as I was looking from this place of absolute abject humility of feeling like I have to talk about joy. I know I have to talk about it. And I don't know what joy is, but as I was looking and looking and looking, I'm going to tell you something. Only Christianity really truly explains what joy is and how to get it. It's the only place you can go. It's the only well you can go to to actually get joy, to actually see what joy is and to really truly experience it. 
It's the only place. And so that's the need for joy. We all have a need. We all know that we have a need for joy. What's the nature of joy? What is it? What is it? And like I said, I can't find anything outside of Christianity that gives a satisfactory explanation. The, dec- the dictionary doesn't even give me a satisfactory explanation. It's not just a feeling. It's not just something that I feel. It's not just happiness. I do feel happy, but it's so much more than happiness. That's like looking at a raindrop and saying that's an ocean, right? Like it's joy is so much more than just happiness. Dictionary says it's a feeling of pleasure and great happiness. It's so much more than that. It comes up so much short, so, so short. And I was, again, like I said, I looked at everything. The, the Dalai Lama wrote it, uh, about, uh, about he, had, he had a whole book that he wrote about joy. And it was summed up basically with this, this one thought. And that is, for him, in Buddhism, he says that happiness is an emotion, but joy is an attitude, a discipline that you develop. And again, it, it's maybe closer because it denotes a difference between happiness and joy. I got to give him that, but... I don't look at joy in my life as an attitude or as a discipline. I kind of tend to agree a lot with C.S. Lewis because C.S. Lewis wrote his entire autobiography. It was him writing about his life story. And you know what the title of his, his life story, the way he wrote it, he says, he, his tit- the title of his autobiography is Surprised by Joy. He was surprised by joy. It wasn't a, a discipline that he, that he had to develop within him. Because when you look at it this way, if, if joy is simply just a discipline and an attitude that you develop within you, that means that your joy is dependent on you. That means my joy is dependent on me. And I don't know about you, but when I set out my mind to do something, I can fail seven times before Sunday. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I don't want my joy to be dependent on me. But C.S. Lewis says he's surprised by joy. He says that it just, it would happen to him in these moments when he wasn't expecting it. When he wasn't planning it. When he hadn't been thinking these joyous thoughts. It would just happen to him. And I find joys like that. I don't know about you. Do you ever find joy just surprises you? Where like, you know, your boss made you stay late at work that day. And you're, you're like, you're in the worst mood. Your boss made me stay late. And I told him I wanted to leave early. But he made me stay late. And. And my sandwich fell on the floor at lunch. And so then, like, you know, that dirt all up in And then I want to eat it. And then I'm hungry. And all this stuff happened. And then you're just driving home. And then, like, Caleb is playing the same old songs. And it's like, yeah, I heard, I heard that song at lunchtime with the dirty sandwich. And, oh, I'm just mad. And then you go and you open the door to get home. And you open up the door. And your little princess or your little boy just runs up to you and hugs you and says, Daddy. You're home. I missed you. I love you. And what happens in that moment? Joy just hits you, doesn't it? You're surprised by joy. It wasn't the attitude I was developing. I was developing a different attitude all day, right? Joy just happens. Anytime that you just look look at a dog, right? I'm not going to talk about what you feel when you look at a cat, you know, but... Pastor Ben liked that one. There we go. But it's, it is something that you feel on the inside, but it's something that so many times is outside of you and it happens to you. It hits you. It's almost like the wind that fills the sailboat's uh, sails, right? It's something that you weren't expecting and then just all of a sudden, bam, it'll hit you. 
It's amazing. And that's, that's the beauty of it. It's not just an attitude. You can maybe develop things where you think about joy and all those kind of things, but it's, it's not dependent on you. It happens to you. It surprises you. It's outside of you, but it can fill you just like the wind in the sails. It can be. It's so amazing. And so if I want to look at really truly what the nature of joy is, I want to look at what Jesus says about joy. And if you got your Bibles open to John chapter 16, we're going to have the verses up here. But this is, this is at the Last Supper. This is right before Jesus is about to be crucified unjustly for things that he didn't do. He's about to be murdered in the most torturous way that anybody can imagine. And here he is with his disciples. And instead of pleading with them to help him and guard him against this terrible injustice that's about to happen to him, you know what Jesus does? He talks to them about joy. (laughs) Does that surprise you? He talks about joy when he knows he is God all-knowing. He knows he's about to be crucified. And he says, I'm going to talk to these boys about joy. And look at what he says in John chapter 16, verses 20 through 24. He says, very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. He's talking to them about how he's about to be crucified, how they're about to be brokenhearted and dejected. He says, you will weep, you will mourn. He says in another verse in the Last Supper, he says, you're going to have trouble in this world. You will weep and you will mourn. And look at what he says. You will grieve and your grief will turn to joy. I love that. Your grief will turn to joy. He says, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. The joy happens. It surprises you, the joy that happens. And he says, so with you. The same thing is going to happen to you. Now is your time of grief. And look at what he says. But I will see you again and you will rejoice. That word rejoice just means you're going to have joy. You will have joy and no one will take away your joy. You feel that wind filling your sails this morning. My goodness. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. I love that. I love that. I love what Jesus is saying. Right before he's about to be crucified, right before he knows he's about to experience the worst torturous pain, the worst death that anyone has ever devised in the history of humankind. He knows he's about to feel it. He knows he's about to pay the price for all of our sins that he never committed. And he wants to talk to them about joy. I love it. There's three things that I want to take a look at specifically what Jesus says about joy. But before we get to those three things, I just want to look at the word that Jesus used for joy. Remember, the New Testament was written in Greek. It wasn't written in English, okay? And and the word that Jesus uses when he says joy over and over and over again is this word, chara. And I'm not in Greek, so maybe that's not exactly how you say it, but chara. And it comes, it's not really a word on its own. It's a word that comes from another word. And it doesn't mean just the feeling of happiness. You feel good, right? We're happy. You're happy. I'm happy. That's not what it is. It's got so much more depth to it. He says, your grief will turn to joy. Your joy will be complete. And look at the joy that Jesus is talking about. The word chara comes from another word. It comes from the word char, which is the Greek word. Can we pull it up? It's for God's grace 
His favor, His blessing. And so the word chara means to be, can we bring it up? It's the awareness of God's grace, favor, or blessing. Wow. I don't know about, I can't develop God's grace. Maybe you can feel it, but it's not dependent on you. It's God's grace. It's his gift that he's given. Really, to be joyful is like exactly like the sailboat feeling the wind, feeling the sails. It's seeing, being aware of what God's already done, of God's grace, of his favor, of his blessing over you. And when you see that, when you're aware you feel the joy just rising up in you. You feel that joy. You see that joy. You experience that joy. You tap into that joy. It's more than just the feeling. It's more than just pleasure. It's more than just happiness. It's so much more. And there's three things that Jesus describes about this joy, this true joy. And it's this. The first one is this. True joy transforms you. True joy transforms. Look at the very first thing that Jesus is saying. He's saying that you are going to grieve. You're going to have grief. I don't know about you, but that is like the least favorite activity, I think, of any human on the planet is to grieve. If you've ever lost somebody or something, oh, man, that hits you. You don't want to feel grief. When you're in that moment of pain, it's all right. so many times people say, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. It's the worst feeling. It's grief when you've lost something and you don't get it back. It's terrible. And Jesus says, I'm going to go to the cross. I've been with you. I love you so much. And you're going to lose me. And you're going to feel grief like no other. But he says, your grief is going to turn to joy. Your grief is going to turn to joy. And I love what Jesus doesn't say here. He doesn't say that the joy is going to defeat your grief. He doesn't say that the joy is going to, like, replace it. He doesn't say the joy is going to override it. He says the grief will turn to joy. It will be transformed into joy. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56. He says, one day at the end of time, we've seen Jesus resurrected from the dead. We know that he's resurrected from the dead, that he has power over all things. And we know that one day all the dead in Christ shall rise. We know that all the dead in Christ shall rise. He says that death will be swallowed up in victory. I've talked about this before, right? When I eat something, I get bigger, right? That's what a whole diet is. Every diet says eat a little less because when we eat, we get bigger. And it says that victory swallows up death. The bigger the death, the bigger the victory. The bigger the grief, the bigger the joy, if it's true joy, because true joy transforms. It has that power. And the same thing, not just death, but anything you're going through. Paul says in Romans 8, 28, we know that God works all things together for our good. Like he's baking a cake up there, right? Like if you look at a cake, you're not like, that's sugar. And uh, here, I made you a sugar flour mixture, right? It's a cake. That's what it is. The sugar went into the cake. The flour went into the cake. Baking powder. I don't know how to make a cake. Whatever. All these ingredients go into it and it becomes something 
completely new and different. The more sugar, the more flour you put in, the bigger the cake, right? The more grief that you experience, Jesus says, it turns to joy. It's bigger. It gets swallowed up in victory. True joy transformed. And with the disciples, he says, you're going to feel that grief when you see me on that cross. But when you see me resurrected and you see why I went to the cross, that it was for your forgiveness, that it was so that you could have new life, that you didn't have to go to the cross. I took it for you. And you see me resurrected. Your grief will turn to joy. There's transformation that happens. The second thing is true joy endures. True joy endures. And that's that beautiful part of joy that we talk about so much, that happiness is temporary, joy is eternal. Happiness is completely dependent on your circumstances, but joy lasts through the night. It lasts. You may be in the middle of the deepest darkness, but man, you can have the light of joy getting you through it. So many, even people outside the church, Everybody agrees, if you've got joy, man, you can get through so much. How much more can you get through if your joy is true joy, complete joy that Jesus talks about? And that's that last thing, is that true joy satisfies. I love that. True joy satisfies. Jesus is saying that you're going to ask in my name, you're going to receive, and your joy will be complete. I love that. And he's not, some of you guys may have read that verse before and you're like, anything I ask for in Jesus' name? I want a Porsche in Jesus' name, right? Well, you're asking in Jesus' name, and that doesn't just mean that you're coming, you know, in his authority. It does mean that, but it also means in the character of Jesus, where he's in the garden and he says, God, not my will, but yours be done. God, anything that you will for my life, I want it. The Bible is saying that if you really truly knew what God willed for your life, your joy would be so full. If you really truly were asking for what God wants to give you, ooh, your joy would be so full. It's that word complete, it's a pictorial word, and it talks about a, a cup that is filled all the way up to the top. That's what Jesus says. If you would just ask for the things that God wants for your life, if you knew what God really truly wanted and desired for your life, if you knew how much he wanted to forgive you, if you knew how much purpose that he had for your life, if you knew in the middle of that grief what he was planning, your joy would be all the way up to the top. True joy satisfies, and it satisfies completely. And I would say it explains, too, how... You can feel joy. You can be surprised by joy in just the, the most random moments. Like I said, with, when you, your little boy or your little girl comes up and hugs you when you get home or when you see a dog just being dumb, you know, like just, you just, this joy just happens to you. It happens on the outside of it and explains that how we describe it, like pleasure or happiness. It just satisfies you, right? It's something deep down in you. You're like, man, that, mm. C.S. Lewis says, we don't quite hundred percent understand what joy is, but we know that we want it. We know that we need it. And it happens to you and it satisfies you. And again, I would say, how much more so will true joy satisfy you? And I love, I love, I love that all these things, all the things in life where you've ever felt a hint of joy, where you've been surprised by joy, all these things point us to the ultimate source of joy. I've talked about, I talked about at the very beginning, 
there's, I can't find any worldview that equips you to actually truly get through life's difficulties reliably with joy. You, again, everybody can get traces of joy. Everybody can get little bits of joy because we're all made in the image of God. And even while this world has fallen, there's still a sunrise and a sunset that's so beautiful. And your children are made in the image of God and they just give you that unconditional love. There's so many little ways that you can tap into the little bit of joy. But the ultimate source of joy is only found in Jesus. That's the only way. The only way to find true joy. If we want a joy that really truly transforms we gotta go to jesus if we really truly want a joy that endures we gotta go to jesus if we really truly want a joy that satisfies we've got to go to jesus the bible tells us that god so loved the world he so loved the world that he sent his one and only son not that whoever earns it Not that whoever develops this discipline inside them, but whoever believes. Whoever accepts him in their heart. Whoever says, thank you, God, for doing that for me. I want that in my life. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus says it's a a well of life springing up inside of you. Joy filling your sails forevermore. I love that. Jesus said, I will die, but I will rise again. And look at what he says of when no one will take away their joy. He says, when you see me, no one will take away your joy. Not when you develop it, not when you work hard enough, but when you you see me. When we see that he died on the cross for you, for me. When we see his blood poured out like we were taking communion earlier. When we see how much, how great, how vast, how unfathomable his love is for us. When we see him, no one will take away your joy. When we see what God has planned for us, joy will be complete. Just like I said, no other belief system will equip you for joy. You got to shut your brain off if you actually want to feel joy. I looked at God's word and I see that you and I are handcrafted by God. His word doesn't say that you're an accident. His word says that you're his masterpiece. I love that. He created you and me on purpose for a purpose. To have relationship with him. Think about that. He said, I love you so much. I'm going to create you and I'm going to create you a masterpiece. And I got a plan for you. And that plan is to be with me. That's how much I love you. Man, how amazing is that? And when we fall short, because we will, we do. When we fall short, he doesn't give up on us. He came down to earth in the form of his son, Jesus, to pay for our sins, to forgive us, and now we are free to live out the God-given purpose that he's given for us, to forgiven of all of our mistakes, filled with his Holy Spirit, led by his word. Our life is not a sprint towards the eternal darkness of death, but instead it's toward eternity with God and our Christian family and the fulfillment of everything 
we ever thought life was about. And when I think about that, when I see that, I'm filled with joy. It fills my sails. I love that. See, the secular mindset says that if you, if you want to feel joy, you got to, you got to shut your brain off. But for the Christian, if you're not experiencing joy, it's because you're not thinking. It's because you're not aware. You're not following your belief system where it, it eventually gets to, right? <laughs> it's because our eyes aren't open. God's favor and blessing and grace is all around us at all times. And joy is the awareness of it. Surprises you. Fills your sails. And I, I want that for you. It's the only joy that transforms. It's the only joy that endures. It's the only joy that satisfies. Psalm 1611 says that you fill me with joy in your presence. See, your relationship with God is the only eternal well of joy that never runs dry. And I want that for you so bad this morning. I want it for you. So I just ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're in here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, if you say, I've never accepted him, I'm, or, or maybe you want to, maybe you want to recommit your life to Jesus this morning. If that's you this morning, we want to give you that opportunity because we believe the songs we were singing. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in his presence. There's joy in a relationship with him. There's joy in having your sins forgiven. There's joy in having a purpose and walking it out. There's joy in that. And we want that for you this morning. But it all starts with a relationship with him. And so if that's you this morning, you want that. We want to just pray with you this morning. It's just... We say this prayer out loud and it's not the words that save you, but it's the, the faith in your heart. It's the belief. It's you reaching out to him in your heart. And we want to pray that prayer out loud with you this morning. Nobody looking around, no, no eyes open, every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you this morning, you want to pray that prayer. I just ask you to raise your hand where you're at. Nobody's looking around. That's awesome. That's awesome. Praise God for those hands. So church family, if you want to go ahead and pray this prayer out loud, help the ones who raised their hands this morning. Say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've made mistakes. But I thank you for dying for me. That I could be forgiven. That I could have new life. And I take hold of that new life. And I accept your forgiveness. I confess you're Lord of my life. And I want to live for you in joy. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen this morning. Can you-